since I was, I don't know, for a long, long time, I've been really into astral projection. I was reading up, read up on that like daily, literally daily. There, wow. There's this guy named Robert Bruce who you, you could still look it up if you look up treatise on astral projection. Robert Bruce, you could probably still find it. But I think it's like a four or five, um, I, I don't want to call them chapters because it's not a book. It was a thing you put online, but they're, they're like four or five parts on it. And, and he gets really into the basics of how to get started with astral projection, different exercises you can do. Hmm. And, um, then once he gets beyond that, he gets into like what to expect when you are actually projecting for your first time and how, like when you first go, you're seeing in like 360 degrees. So we're, we're used to just seeing from our, you know, just the, the our forward set eyes, the, it's not even 180 degrees. I don't remember exactly what the degree we can see is, but. You go from that to being able to see everywhere at once, and it's pretty uh, jarring. So it gives you tips on how to get used to that and maneuver around when you're projecting. And um, then he gets on to what what entities you might find while projecting. And I, I, there was this one story about this kid who... Uh, who was projecting and him and his brother were actually projecting at the same time. And he looked at his brother and he saw these white fluffy things attached to him. And then he looked down and he saw them on himself too. And he said that they had these fangs, but it didn't hurt when they bit him, but they were like latching onto them. And the guy explained that a lot of people experience stuff like this and they're just they're kind of like parasite entities. They they don't really harm you, but they just kind of feed off your psychic energy, I guess. Did Duncan have that dude on his podcast once? Like way oh, back? No. I think he did way back. If in he the did, day. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, dude, I I have all that shit. I'll look it up for you. It'll be quick, but I swear I've heard that story before about these white little fluffy things that latched onto them. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of creepy to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And just the fact that you can run into some type of entity while you're astral projecting. Yeah. That's strange too. That's. Yeah. That scares me out of wanting to try to astral project. <laughs> well, I guess there's different levels you get to. Like, the first level is just out of your body, but you're kind of like still moving through our world, like our plane of existence. And then you can get deeper and deeper into it. And I guess you can, people have reported being able to access the Akashic records through projection. And then people have met other intelligent entities that they were able to communicate with and, and share information with and, and, um, meet up with other people hmm. while they're projecting. So it's like you're, it, it, think of it like you're going on a, I don't know, of your, your, like a, a tour of another country or something. And you just happen to run into another American there. It's like, oh, hey, we're both American. You know, it's, it's, you're, you're basically on a tour of this astral realm and you meet another traveler along the way and you can interact with them. And I don't know. It just, it seems really cool. And I've, I've tried to do it a bunch of times and I, I, 
like I said, I was really into it, so I, I would read, but all the different, like, I guess techniques mm-hmm. that you could use to, to get yourself into that state. And I remember one of the things is that, that you really have to clear your mind. So if you're, uh, if you're in a meditation, that would, that's a big help. And at the time I wasn't at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really have any basis for, for where to begin with that. But there was one exercise he said to picture yourself on some sort of inflatable raft and you're on the ocean and he said, just picture the, the way that the waves would feel as you rise up and go down and kind of tune your breath with the motion of the waves and just really try to feel the motion of the waves and that's supposed to lull you into the state. And then once you clear your mind, then you're there, you you can, you know, you get into the uh, meditative state and then from there you can project. And he said, whatever you do, don't, if you feel it happening, don't acknowledge that it's happening. And the one time I was almost there, I got really excited because I was almost there and it just ruined the entire thing. (laughs) And I've never been able to get back there again. I've heard of that happening to people while trying out lucid dreaming too. Yeah. 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 I've, I've had one lucid dream in my life and and once I acknowledged that I was doing it, I woke up. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to look into that, but I don't know. I'm not, I don't like anything with the whole self-hypnosis or anything like that or. Yeah. I don't understand that enough to, to be into that. I had a buddy who said he used to be able to stop his dream and then change dreams. Yeah. That, well, that would be a form of lucid dream because you're taking control of your dream. Yeah. That's crazy. When you're thinking about stuff like that, you kind of have to think about the nature of the human mind as well and, and, does it exist within us? Cause our brain, we know that our brain controls the functions of our body from digestion to the way we feel to movement. You know, ev- literally everything is controlled by the brain, mm-hmm. but our consciousness is that actually a part of the brain as well? Because we haven't been able to pinpoint an area of the brain that would house our consciousness. That's true. What if our brain was like a, a receiver for for our consciousness and our consciousness is being beamed in? It's not actually a part of our body. It's just controlling the body. And, you know, we're not even aware of it because we're so close to it. But And then when the body dies, the signal stops and then we're back to wherever we were before our bodies were alive. Which, I mean, if that's the case, why not have reincarnation because then you just you you let the signal cool down for a little bit and you just beam it into something else yeah that makes sense yeah i mean if and that's just i mean obviously that's a really uh simple way of of putting it but if if it's not within us we can't pinpoint where it comes from then why not have it be something outside of ourselves that is just controlling the body yeah, the idea of something broadcasting our consciousness has been around forever. Yeah, and, and you can, and a lot of that is in, uh, like the, the future thing, you'll be able to download your personality into like a machine or something. So then you're, 
the machine will think like you and act like you because they've been able to digitize the human consciousness. Or, I mean, at that point, it's probably not even going to be digital, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think all those fuckers need to rewatch the Terminator and chill out. Yeah. <laughs> all those fucking new robots that pop up on the internet, man. Ugh. There was a really cool short film that I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but I, it had uh, Paul Rubens in it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a comedy at all. It was about this doctor who had figured out a way to download his consciousness into a computer. And he was murdered while he was doing it. And then, so they brought the computer up with him and then it was, and he was talking just like it was him and acting like it was him, but he was a, a computer now for, for all intents and purposes. So, um, they were, it became the argument of, should we keep it alive or shut it down? Because essentially it's a computer, but it's acting just like this guy acted when he was still alive. It's really, I'll, I'll see if I can find it so we can link it in the show notes. For sure. That sounds super interesting. Yeah. It's and it's only like nine minutes too. It's pretty short. That's definitely a form of reincarnation, I'd say. Yeah. Or immortality even. I, w- I wouldn't even say it's reincarnation because. Yeah, it's the same thing. Cause it's the same, it's the same mind. Mm-hmm. And he's aware, like, because you're downloading your, your consciousness, it's, it has all your memories. Yeah. So based on your memories and the way that you acted up to the point of your death, it's able to act just like you. And then it's like, then you ask yourself, like, is it really you at that point or is it another incarnation? I mean, it would have to be another incarnation of you, but it just has all your memories. So it's really like the same person. Yeah. It's like just thinking about that shit for too long really fucking weirds me out, man. Same here. And, and like, I, I often thought about it in terms of, like, cloning. Like, if you could clone yourself and then you died off, would your clone still be you because it had all your memories? Or, it, it, I mean, obviously it wouldn't because you died. But, yeah. Would it have the same consciousness as you? or Yeah. Or if you believe in a soul, I mean, does that get copied as well? Yeah, and that's that's the other thing, this, the whole question of the soul mm-hmm. like if have you ever heard the uh i think it's eight grams there's there's a movie called it is it eight grams or seven gra- or something grams but it's about the idea that when you die your body loses this amount of grams 24 grams maybe i really don't remember at all 762 grams <laughs> I, I know it's a certain amount of grams that your body loses when you die and the idea behind it is that it's the soul leaving the body. Yeah, I definitely had heard of that. Uh, uh, my sister had heard about that before that movie came out, so it was interesting to see that movie come out. But yeah, from what I understand, it's a proven thing that it was a study done by a doctor. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very much so. That There's a lot of things like that that kind of prove some type of secondary existence or or something that controls the human body like that just like when you hear about i've seen a few tv shows to where they talk to people who've died and they say they've gone to heaven or hell or something like that 
And there's a few cases where I've seen people report going to heaven and then them being revived and brought back to earth. So much so, mm-hmm. so that they were pissed off about it. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they get to the point where they're um they are seeing what's what is on the other side and they always come back saying it's beautiful and you know, a lot of times they'll say they'll see loved ones or whatever. And then they get pulled back and it's like, God damn, why didn't you just let me go? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to have somebody actually claim to see something like that and then actually be pissed off about it. You know, there's, they definitely saw something, mm-hmm. but uh, they were claiming to have consciousness and, and thought process during this. So that's what makes it interesting to me. Yeah, especially when when it's things like they're they're in surgery and they died and they can and they see themselves trying to be revived by the doctors and they're able to describe things when they come back that they wouldn't have been able to know otherwise. Yeah, and that's that type of story's been around since fucking hospitals have been. Yeah, and and you got to wonder if that's a form of astral projection or. Is it, I don't know. Some spirit type Is it, is it you're actually, yeah. But, but then again, if you really think about astral projection, your astral body would be your soul, right? And you're leaving your body and your, your astral body is what your actual being is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just what's in your sack of meat that, that is just, going through life and your soul is what's keeping that body alive when when you die and your soul leaves and your body starts to rot yeah it almost makes me think of that dude who crashed that what is that atv thing i know i've talked about it before but he apparently had suffered like an internal decapitation basically he flipped his atv and the handlebars ended up crushing the back of his neck and he was in a hospital in a coma and they kept him like that for, you know, a while. And the doctor said that, you know, nothing, nothing's going to help him. It wasn't too long. It was kind of weird how quick they did it, but they didn't just give up and pull the plug right away. But mm-hmm. long story short, um, he ended up coming out of it and, you know, pretty much making a full recovery. Really? Yeah. And uh, That's awesome. The, the crazy thing is that he described what was going on in the room when he was in that state when he was in this coma and he remembers uh, i guess he was really good friends with his cousin and his cousin had came and they were talking about unplugging him because there was no hope for him he was brain dead he was completely brain dead and his cousin fighting them telling them no you need to wait a little bit longer you guys need to wait this out and he remembers going what the fuck dude they're just they're not even gonna you know give me a few weeks you know, but uh, he described what people were wearing. He was able to repeat things that the doctors had said and shit like that. So, I mean, there you go. There's a doctor sitting there telling you that this kid's brain had no activity in it. So and maybe it came back. Yeah. So maybe That's our consciousness or, or spirit or whatever isn't attached to our brain, to our mm-hmm. mind. So That's very interesting, too. Yeah. And then... The the thing that's really weird is you, you when people report um like when when they die and they report that they crossed over to the other side they always say that there's that light and then they'll describe 
certain things that they see, you know, whether it be loved ones or like hear music mm-hmm. or just see the light or, but what's weird is sometimes it, it doesn't happen with everyone. And sometimes people will die and then they'll report nothing. They'll come back and they'll say there was nothing. Yeah. That's and that's, it's, too. yeah, like, were they not far enough almost dead that they didn't pass on? Or is the people that crossed over experiencing something else? Or maybe it's just that it's different for everyone when you die. Yeah, it's a great maybe question. Maybe for some it's, it is nothing. Maybe their journey is over when they die. Because, I mean, I, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking all this from a standpoint of reincarnation where if you die, you come back again and again until you've fulfilled whatever you were put here to do. And then you get to stop living and go be one with the universe or heaven or whatever you want to call it. But, um, maybe when they're reporting seeing nothing, they're reporting that because because they were fulfilling their mission on earth, whatever they were put here for. And because they weren't ready to fully die, they didn't get to experience what was really coming up next. Like what if this heaven that people are reporting seeing, like when they see the white light and they see their loved ones, what if it's just like a waiting place for your soul to be reincarnating? You're just all gathered together and you're like, Oh, Hey, look, it's Bill and Martha and grandma. Yeah. Let's, let's all hang out for a little bit and then, uh, we'll all get put somewhere else and maybe we'll meet up again. That's an interesting point too. I don't know if it's cause I, I, I never studied it a lot. I just never got into the idea of reincarnation and maybe it's because I don't believe in it or, or I just don't know about it, but that, that doesn't sound fun to me. I always, I like the idea of it. just be, I, I, I'm not a fan of the idea of the, the whole, you have heaven or hell and that's it. You, and if you don't follow these rules that are written down, then you're going to hell and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And like, I, I just don't like that. And I like the idea of reincarnation because it takes into effect or it takes into account that we humans are flawed beings. We're always going to be flawed beings. We're always going to make mistakes. And I just like the idea of being sent through again and again to, to learn something specific and then being allowed to, to go on once we've learned what we've been put here for. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a romantic idea, I think. Absolutely. Even the fact that uh, your previous lives are, previous knowledge learned isn't remembered or recalled it's kind mm-hmm. of like start your journey from scratch and right they'll just have the persona of somebody who will retain knowledge from experience and shit like that yeah it's not like a guru i'm gonna start a 1-900 number <laughs> call me now <laughs> yeah it's I, I i like the idea of it and and i can and there's actually some evidence out there for it too they're like for some reason, it's it's a lot of little kids will report it, and there's there's a lot of really neat stories out there about it. Like there's this one story of a little girl 
who she she thought that her swim instructor was her real mom and she was taking swimming lessons and she really got attached to this woman and she got more attached to this woman than she was her own mother and she told her mom that she was the swim instructor's baby years ago but she had died before she was able to be born and she had no way of knowing i think she was like four maybe five and she had no way of knowing this about her swim instructor but at one point the little girl's mother told the swim instructor about it and she said that i I can't remember if she had an abortion or if she had a miscarriage but um either way the the pregnancy was terminated and she hadn't told anybody about it let alone the kids that she's teaching to swim because you know who that that'd kind of be a fucked up thing to do but this little girl somehow knew and she said that she was the baby that was that was or that had died and it got to the point where she would spend like half of the nights every week with this woman and then half with her other family and like her i there were there were some other details too but i don't really remember exact details about it other than that whole her knowing about the the um her swim instructor's pregnancy but um it got to the point where she'd be spending half her time with the swim instructor half her time with a real family and i don't know how it ended up um but at the time i heard the story they the mother and the swim instructor had a falling out and so the the daughter stopped seeing the instructor at that point i don't know if they've reconciled or what since then but that was a pretty interesting case f- for the idea of reincarnation yeah it's definitely strange yeah. since she's claiming to be something that was in a fetal state not actual birth yeah person there was another one that was kind of similar with with these brothers who I think it was the younger one said that their aunt was their real mother and their mom's like, why would you say that? And he said that his aunt had twins and she lost both twins, but um, she lost them where before she even knew that they were going to be twins. But this little boy knew that him and his brother were twins and he recalls being in her womb when they were dying and he's and one day he got really pissed off at his brother and he started yelling at him saying that he didn't want to go and he was trying to hold on but his brother let go and he didn't have a choice but to go with him whoa and so he got pissed off at his brother about it and his brother has no recollection of it he didn't remember Hmm. but this this other little boy did and but the thing about this was this was also a secret in the family that her because she ended up having an abortion i believe the their aunt did and it was like a secret in the family that and these there's no reason why they, they would tell the kids about that you know what would be the point in telling your kids that your aunt had an abortion yeah, yeah. but um I guess it was something that the aunt had even kept from their mother because her mother didn't know about it. And then she told her aunt and then her aunt's like, Oh, well, I had an abortion and blah, blah, blah. And, but somehow this little kid knew about it hmm. and he described like what, what happened and 
with stuff that kids shouldn't have any way of knowing, you know. That's very strange. Yeah. I've heard a few cases. It, like you said, it has a lot to do with the kids. <laughs> like younger kids, they're the ones who report this stuff the most when they find it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like a irrefutable shit, you know. Mm-hmm. No shit, they have no reason to, especially little kids. For you know, like the swim instructor story, for a four or five year old girl to be like, "Yeah, I was the baby that you never had." I mean, kids say gnarly shit, but that's a little yeah, that's pretty out there. Yeah, or even almost not out there. That's almost too serious. Yeah, that a little kid shouldn't be even thinking something like that. But right, there's this idea of kids, like you said, knowing shit that they they would have no way of knowing otherwise. Like the, the story I was telling you about before with the kid who kept saying these, this phrase over and over and his parents thought it sounded like more than gibberish. It was when he was starting to learn how to speak and he kept saying this phrase over and over and his parents, they, they thought it sounded too structured to be just gibberish. So they had a linguist come and it turned out that it was a form of Tibetan and the kid was speaking Tibetan. Yeah, I love this story, man. It's crazy. Like how and and the the kid is just learning to speak. So it's not like it's not like he's an older kid who's speaking Tibetan. The kid is just learning to speak and his parents' first language is English. They're not speaking Tibetan around the house. They're not of Tibetan lineage. They they had literally no interest in anything to do with Tibet. And later on that kid described the monastery where his teacher was. And he described this whole thing, and it sounded just like a monastery in Tibet. Yeah, explain that. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the stronger cases. You know, did, was he saying one or two words, or it was like a whole a whole phrase? It wasn't just like he was saying a couple words. Yeah, so it's a little yeah. bit beyond chance that this kid just happened to be saying some gibberish and some word came yeah. out of it. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he was like actually saying something that may I don't know if they were able to um, decipher what he was saying, but they were able to t- tell that it was Tibetan. That's crazy. There's no reason that old kid should be speaking another language. How dare yeah. he? How dare he? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Who do you think you are, little kid? But I wonder why it is always the little kids. I think it's just because their their minds, they haven't been indoctrinated yet. And especially the younger kids before they get the... You know, even little kids, like if you describe to them the notion of God or Jesus, they're, they're gonna, they're not gonna really fully understand the idea behind it. They're just gonna know, like, you know, that, that there's a, by, by telling them about that, you're basically just telling them there's something greater than them. But I, I mean, I remember as a kid being taught about it and I just couldn't comprehend it. I was like, what? There's somebody, there's a, God who's eternal and he's never had a first day. He's always been there and he always, and I'm like, but there has to be a first day. Like I, my mind just couldn't contemplate the idea of infinity. That's always an interesting thing. But I just think that they're, they're just so pure and they're open to the thing. So if weird stuff happens to manifest through them or they have strange memories or anything like that, they don't have anything to cloud that. So they're just, they're really getting the purity of that idea. Yeah, they kind of speak their mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that goes with a lot of things. There's a lot of things, you know, related to ghosts. They had that show, was it Psychic Kids? 
Yep. I never got to watch that show at all, um, but that was definitely interesting. And it seems to stop around a certain age, and you'd mentioned before, it usually sticks with uh, younger girls. Mm-hmm. I just think it's when they're when they start to get um, like what the how do how should I put this? I guess like the established ideas of what is real and what is fake and what to believe in, what not to believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, like like generally speaking, people don't believe that ghosts exist. They don't believe in in um, psychics. They they don't believe in channeling or any of that stuff. And somehow kids are all able to, you know, they, they'll, they'll get information from places that they have no business even knowing. Yeah. Or they'll be getting, they'll have memories that they have no reason to know about. Yeah, that's always crazy. And, but then it's like once they start to get how the world really is, it's like, oh, well, I, I can't possibly have ghosts talking to me because the ghosts aren't real. And then that, you know, that ends. And then I can't possibly have this ability to know this stuff that I don't know. That's just me being a stupid kid. Yeah, it kind of, uh, all their ideas stop after that, too. Whatever mm-hmm. activity or anything that they're experiencing always stops after that, too. Maybe it is some type of realization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, I, I, I often wonder, like, if these kids who show this stuff were encouraged to, um, you know, actually told that what they're experiencing is real and told about these alternate ideas if they would hold on to them for longer. Yeah, it makes me wonder if all these people who die and report to going to heaven, and there's even people reporting going to hell. Yeah. So, I mean, of course it would have some major influence, but I don't know. There's a there's a, only a few cases right here where people aren't religious and they go through something like that and of course they become pastors and shit like that mm-hmm. but it's a, I wonder how much of a play that has on it because the, the hell stuff is always specific and it's it, it always seems to go back to like the the middle ages idea of hell rather than you know something that that like, like if if hell is such a bad place, you wouldn't expect it to be something that the humans would be able to describe, especially in all this old medieval literature where they're talking about the torments of hell. Because really in the Bible, hell isn't mentioned that often. Like it's really only in there a handful of times. Mm-hmm. So there, a lot of the stuff that we know about hell and the devil was it, it, that was what was being pushed around in the middle ages and like the you know around that time or the dark ages i guess i don't know middle ages dark ages somewhere in there same thing bro sure (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) but when they come back and say they went to hell it's always like oh i saw people with their flesh being melted like candles and screaming and you know all, all of the cliched stuff about hell you gotta wonder if when their body dies, if it's just like maybe a chemical thing that gets dumped into your brain before you die. So like you, you have this memory at the moment of death of either a light or whatever you have been following in life. Like if you've say you were raised Christian and you've strayed from the idea of being Christian, but you, that was like the only religion you knew. 
So at your moment of death, you've got the doubts like, what if what I learned as a child was real? Is, is my life good enough where I'm going to be able to go to heaven or am I going to hell? And then you get that whole inner turmoil thing going and then you get the DMT dump at the moment of death and you kind of manifest your own afterlife in that moment. And then you come back, you get resuscitated and you've got this story. That's, that's a great point as well. Your body's able to do some gnarly shit when it needs to. Mm-hmm. My dad always told this story about, uh, uh, when he was a young man living in New York, this car crash happening, and he actually saw this guy jump out of the crowd and grab a car door and rip it off. To, wow! To help the person inside the car, and just shit like that. You you hear stories about that. That's kind of like a, I guess like an urban legend or myth or something. To yeah, like so, mothers helping their children. Yeah, your body can do a whole bunch of different shit when you're dying. Who knows? I mean, they, I, I've talked about it before, but that dude who got stung by all those box jellyfish, he he wasn't a religious dude. Like he said, I, you know, his mom was religious, but he made his parents pay for a shitload of college and then decided to surf for 12 years. You know, he was he literally said, I was just smoking weed and hash on all the beaches across the globe. And then when he went to his shit, he was immediately taken to heaven and it immediately shown demons and how, you know, the opposite side. So that's interesting, If even if you're not a religious person. But it's still just the idea that you could have been brought up with. I'm sure he's heard his mother talk about it. He knew the Lord's Prayer to say that. He knew that by heart, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think you tend to forget that if you weren't that religious of a person. Yeah. It's it's weird to really get into, um, get when you, when you listen to all these stories, like you got the people reporting that they went to an afterlife when they died. And then you've got these weird cases where it seems like reincarnation is a real thing. And it's, it, it doesn't seem like they like both realities would be true because if there's reincarnation, why would there be a need for hell? Exactly. And I understand like the idea of reincarnation is to ultimately reach Nirvana, which, you know, and, and, Christian terms would be heaven, basically. Yeah. So, so I can understand seeing having the the visions of of heaven, but it seems weird that the people that have the visions of heaven, it seems to be a very Christian idea of heaven. You know, with the white lights and the music and seeing your loved ones. I I don't think I've ever heard a story of anyone saying they went to purgatory and came back though. That's true. Which would be kind of interesting. Just in limbo. Yeah. Which, I for if you believe in um, reincarnation, I would think that there would have to be a limbo place. I wouldn't think that you would die and instantly be reborn as something else. I, I would think there'd be a holdover period, or you know, the waiting room in Beetlejuice, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But, and, and that, if, if you think about that, um, it could account for ghosts or people that channel, you know, they, they speak to the dead or whatever. It could, if, if my whole trickster belief is wrong and these ghosts are actual real ghosts, then maybe it's, they're able to somehow manifest while they're waiting to be reborn. And, and so they're retaining their human memories until the moment where they're put into another body, maybe. That's a good idea. That's, it always seems like any type of spirit that needs to or wants to interact, it takes some type of accumulation of 
mm-hmm. energy or power or whatever you want to call it. So maybe those are people who are in limbo, focusing yeah. and doing that. That's a cool point. And and I wouldn't think if there's an afterlife that if if there's a real true afterlife and not reincarnation, then then it wouldn't make sense for there to be ghosts in the ghosts in the sense that they're generally perceived as. Um, just because if if there's an afterlife and you're going to go to heaven or hell, why like if if the afterlife is there, I'm thinking it's inevitable. We can't escape that if it's there. So if that's the case, when we die, we would go one place or the other, and we wouldn't have the choice to be like, oh, do you want to stay on Earth as a ghost and rattle chains and freak people out? <laughs> you can go and back just, and return to your family. Come with us. Yeah. Go to hell or scare people. Yeah, take your pick. <laughs> like, what, do you spin a wheel when you die? It's <laughs> afterlife roulette. God. Ghost? But I really miss my mom. <laughs> I don't want to be a ghost. That'd be fucked up. Yeah. Your afterlife is some type of fucking lottery. <laughs> Slot machine. <laughs> Insert your soul here. Find out what's going on. <laughs> Woohoo! One I soul got to purgatory. play. <laughs> One of my favorite examples of reincarnation was from a documentary I saw a long time ago. It's uh, It came out in 2008, but they started filming it in uh, 2001. But it's a story about this Tibetan Buddhist monk named, uh, I'm going to butcher this, I'm sorry, uh, Tenzin Zopa. But he was a, a Buddhist monk, and he had a, his teacher, his master, which, again, I'm going to butcher, I'm sorry, uh, Lama Gishi uh, Kanchang. From what I'm, that's the best I can do, I'm sorry. But his master ended up uh, passing away. He was an older dude. This poor guy, man, This his student was just grief-stricken. They spent a lot of time with him before they get into the meat of the story. And this guy just, I mean, he weeps and weeps for the loss of his master. And the way, you know, from what I understand, the way they do things, you know, they go live with their teacher. They leave mm-hmm. their homes and stuff, so it's understandable. But it was just heartbreaking to see. But for some reason, um, I don't recollect if it was his call or, or somebody higher up's decision, but he went on a journey to go find the reincarnation of his master. They felt that his master would be someone who would be reincarnated instantly and would be able to be found. So this guy uh, spent like five and a half years just going all over the place. And on the Nepal and China border, he came across a little boy. And uh, he had seen tons of people. But for some reason, this boy sparked his interest, and right away, this little boy told this monk, yeah, I I'm, I'm was your teacher. This little boy was all about it, and he wasn't a disobedient little kid. He was an overactive little kid. He wasn't goofy or nothing like that. He was just a really somber little guy, and that's one thing that struck me about that, that documentary is just this little kid's demeanor. It was strange, and after getting to know the kid, this guy had no doubt in his mind that that, w- that was not his master. That was definitely him. And it's, you know, the kid's parents let him go back with them to their temple and stay with him and learn. And as the kid got a little bit older, he definitely knew who he was. And he was not that little boy. He had far too much knowledge, and just the way he did things, you can tell the way he would wash a plate or eat his food that... He had done it for a lot longer than four or five years. 
It was just very interesting to see, but it was called the, the Unmistaken Child. I'll put it in the show notes. I think you can watch it on YouTube. It was an old PBS documentary, but it was still just one of the, it was shocking for me to see. We all know about reincarnation. We all hear the stories and, you know, everybody always talks about the Buddhist monks when they talk about reincarnation. That always gets touched on. Mm-hmm. But just to sit back and watch that film and, you know, it was a longer film and geez, man, that was, uh, that'll, that impacted me for a long time. But that's, uh, I, I, like I said before, I don't, I don't have too much knowledge of reincarnation, but that definitely was impressive film. And uh, yeah, everybody should watch it. Very cool film. Yeah, I've never heard of it, but um, yeah, it if was, you're going to post it, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, it was literally like on at like 2 in the afternoon, and my mom caught it on her day off and called me. And she's like, I, I recorded it on the DVR. you got to watch it. So I went up to visit her one day, and she literally fucking like made me food and sat me down. She's put it on she's like watch it and it was That's definitely awesome. yeah super interesting because I, I don't i don't know i don't, I don't know if it's because i don't believe in it or or what but the idea doesn't seem appealing i'd love to be able to repeat life to gain knowledge but if my mm-hmm. fucking spirit's on some mission to fucking gain some knowledge or do some task that it hasn't finished yet i'd fucking tell it to give up you failed <laughs> <laughs> fuck off <laughs> i'm a failure just give up on me i would like to go to sleep now <laughs> yeah the, but the the nice thing about it is generally speaking you're um, not even aware unless you go back or, or have a past life regression yeah i love it when, like when alex talked about that that's something i've always wanted to do yeah mm-hmm. but recently um my friends at Paranormal Review Radio had a guest on. She specialized in past life readings, but she didn't use any cards or anything like that. What she had was spirit guides that would give her information about people, which I thought was interesting. And I was like, well, shit, I, I, that's something I'd like to do. So I, I gave them a call, and I got to talk to this lady, and she got to tell me a little bit about my past life, which was pretty weird. Which I don't. So, so what'd you find out? I, she said I was from the 16th century... And she said she didn't know if the terms were correct, but she said uh, something like a king. If not a king, uh, if a king, it wasn't with, like, the royalties with it, like the riches with it. Maybe it was somebody that somebody listened to, a lot of people listened to, which I found interesting. And then she told me that uh, I still do something to where I talk and that people listen to it, which was pretty cool because, <laughs> to me, that just means the what cast mm. and she told me that i do something that i talk and i communicate with uh people and she had even brought up the point uh, the fact that asked to ask me do i write and i told her i don't write words i've written music and she goes yeah there's another another outlet of where you're doing something that people are actually physically listening listening to something so it was a definitely interesting type of thing did, did you feel like it was uh for real, or did you feel like it was kind of just like one of those things where she was able to guess well? Um, I almost depicted a pattern in what she did because there's other callers before me. To be completely mm-hmm. honest, and but a, a friend of mine had called the show too, and when she got her reading or whatever, um, it was pretty spot on for her too. I think I blew it by when I, I first got on the line. She asked me how I was doing it. I said, I was doing fine. How are you, ma'am? And I used the word ma'am. 
I mm-hmm. think that I think I blew it with that because you're too polite. Yes, and that's what she talked a lot about modesty and and you know people listen to you because of modesty instead of you know you used to be a fucking psycho dictator and screaming a microphone and mm-hmm. <laughs> shit like that. You know, it was still interesting. I'm, I'm friends with uh, the people who do the show. And when we started, they had mentioned that, you know, this is Mateo. He's a good friend of the show. But before, the, you know, she can almost didn't get that out before she started talking about the 16th century and stuff like that. But it was definitely cool. I'll put her website in the links, too. But it was really cool. She, I mean, she usually, her sessions are usually, she said, like an hour and a half to two hours. So with literally, like, three or four minutes you know she did what she could but yeah she you know brought up me doing something that was kind of close to home and and then my friend who called in as well that was pretty interesting too how how was she with your friend she was pretty spot on she told her that she used to be a man uh from china and uh she remembers talked about being in the garden but just her personality traits that she had mentioned were were just spot on with her that was hmm. pretty cool. And everybody else who called in and, and talked to her, they said, you know, it was quite impressive about how how spot on she is. But I don't know. I kind of have, like I said, I'd rather be hypnotized. So people, if there's, with the, you know, through that route, you can actually tap into some type of, you know, hidden memory or repressed mm-hmm. memory or something like that. But just to say that she's getting these ideas from a spirit guide or, or whatever, you know, a third party. To me, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always skeptic of stuff like that. I mean, yeah, just, I am as well. Yeah, you don't. I don't know. To me, if somebody's talking to some entity, it's probably not a good one. <laughs> so I just, I don't take it to heart. It was definitely interesting. She's a very sweet lady. I don't know. Like even mm-hmm. the Bible says, you know, like seeing the future and shit like that. I think a few different religions mention it, but that that power is not from God or, or any type of good. And it's, I'm not saying, you know, that's what I believe or anything like that, but that's, in reading, that's definitely an interesting tip. Yeah, they, they, uh, do talk about a lot of, in the Bible, a lot about, um, divination and how it's basically like a gift from the devil or so, like people that practice that are, are getting information from evil and I don't know, I don't think I actually believe that. A lot of religions that say stay away from like astrology and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And that I can understand the link to fortune telling with that, with like zodiac signs and shit. Yeah. But there's, you know, watch the first two seasons of Agent Aliens and you'll, you don't have to believe what they say, but it's definitely, there's definitely a lot of information there and a lot of shit that's actually happened that people should know about. Yeah, they, they do give a lot of good information with the bullshit. And I think it's just the conclusions they come up with based on the information is where the show goes wrong. But they they do give some pretty decent information on um, ancient beliefs and and things like that. Yeah, the history portion of it, besides the hypothesis, is quite interesting. I I wonder what fucking happened to that show. It was kind of like it got... It got moved to H2. Yeah, but just, like, as far as enjoying that fucking show, it just got stupid one day. Yeah, I saw one where they started talking about how uh, Einstein's genius may have been beamed to him from aliens. <laughs> I'm like, really? 
this is where we're at now. I'm not watching that. Yeah, it, it got really fucking ridiculous. Well, the thing was, they saw how popular it got, so they just had to come up with stupid shit to f- make a new season. Yeah, wasn't it originally like a miniseries? It was just like a three-part Yeah, special. I think it was, yeah, it was three or four episodes, two hours each. Yeah, that's and, what happened when you try to bleed an idea. Yeah, well, I mean, even the first, the first, like, season, maybe even the second season was pretty decent, but it got really fucking stupid really fucking quick. It sure did. I wish I would. I never watched that. What was Jesse Ventura's fucking show? I actually never saw it either. But they had a lot of cool stuff on there. Actually, no, I did. I saw one about the uh, Denver airport, and that was really cool. That's a fucking crazy thing, dude. I'll I'll find you a YouTube video. That's some weird fucking shit. Please do. Well, before I forget, I want to bring up this thing about the um, uh, Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah, please do. Yeah. So, Roger, you're familiar with Roger Ebert, I'm assuming. Yes, I mean, sir. Really. Who, who isn't? Well, I'm, I'm sure kids probably don't know who the fuck Roger Ebert is, but anyone in our age group is going to know who Roger Ebert is. But he died, what was it, two years ago? I think three so, years, two or like, three it years. Was, it was fairly recently. Yeah. And uh, when he died, he was he would go in and out of consciousness, I guess. But he wrote a letter to his wife, like the the day before he died or something, and it's and he told her that the world and and reality as we know it is an illusion and it's not what it seems. And so it, it seemed like he was when he was going in and out, he would have access to the other side, or he was able to see through to the other side and what. Or, or, and that, that there was something more to what we know as life. That's weird. Yeah. And it's really like a cryptic message, but it, it really makes you think, like, what was he seeing? When you hear about reports about people dying and stuff like that, like we talked about before, they clearly see a light tunnel or they, mm-hmm. cl- or they clearly see a sulfury burning place mm-hmm. with people with horns and red skin jumping around, kicking people in the nuts and shit like that. But... Mm-hmm. That that message is quite haunting. It kind of yeah. makes me think of the singularity and shit like that, or or the Matrix. Like like he was able to cross over and see that this is all a program. Yeah, or something like that, or even just a holographic generation of some false mm-hmm. existence. What if it was just a giant room and just billions of people in chairs with fucking weird black helmets on, just being broadcast? Oh, that's creepy. What, yeah, <laughs> I'm watching too much Doctor Who. Did you did you play Fallout Three? No, by any chance? I oh. didn't. There's a thing you've got to find your father at one point, and you go to this. You're you're able to track down the last place he was, and you find all these pods. And in these pods are these people, and one of them is your father. And and in these pods, their consciousness is being. It, it's basically making them think that they're like in a classic 1950s neighborhood like leave it to beaver type neighborhood Hmm. yeah it's and uh as far as he knew that was his reality and and then you end up putting yourself in there and he realizes that it's not the reality and you've got to try to help him escape by killing him but yeah that's that's kind of that idea 
the idea of, of reprogramming somebody's thought or through whatever medium, you know, hypnotism. I've had a buddy who was uh, hypnotized at fucking SeaWorld. Sorry, guys. I know that fucking documentary's out. But when we were young, we went to SeaWorld. Sorry. but uh, Yeah, we didn't know any better as kids. No. I never went, but I wanted to go when I was a kid. I went. Uh, I got free tickets when my firstborn was like three. And it wasn't nothing spectacular. And I didn't see anybody fucking kicking any dolphins or slapping any <laughs> fish. So, But uh, he got... They had some fucking show, and he got hypnotized, and they did the whole classic shit to where it was really cold, and he got picked out to be the guy who, uh, whenever James Brown was played, he'd get up and dance his ass off. So <laughs> through the whole show, they'd play a little four-second clip of James Brown. And, and he'd, he'd get up. And he'd get up and dance, and he did the whole it's hot thing, and he, he even took his shirt off and started to take off his shoes and shit. And uh, he showed it to us, and we all laughed. I was like, what, you know, what were you doing? He's like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, dude, you're on stage in front of like 200 people. You know, when they said it was cold, he grabbed the woman next to him like it was the fucking end of the world and started hugging her and fucking, <laughs> and put her arms under his arms and fucking covered her arms with his with his biceps. And he was just holding her with his hand around her neck. He was like, get warm, lady, get warm. I was like, what the fuck were you doing? He's like, I do not know. I have no. That's so funny. He said he had no memory of it. He said the guy hypnotized him, and when he snapped his fingers, he was out, and when he snapped his fingers at the end, he was awake. That was it. And I was like, that was, to me, that's weird. It's, 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 yeah. So it's quite easy to manipulate someone's, I mean, that was fucking 15 minutes of him not knowing what the fuck he was doing with his body, man. That's yeah. fucked up. It, makes, it is pretty fucked up. It's, it makes me think about, like, the number stations. Are you familiar with those? No. Oh, it's uh, certain broadcast signals. I think they fucking made a movie about it, but I'm not sure. But there's these certain stations that were found that they're just broadcasting these numbers. And it changes from a man's voice to a woman's voice. Oh, yeah, isn't it? It's it's in Russia, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've heard about that. Well, they they found them all over, and they've tr tried to triangulate the position, and they don't lead from anywhere. But uh, there's always uh, been the theory about those are signals to activate certain sleeper cells. Like uh, one of the, I, I don't know which one it was, but one of the Black Ops games was actually about that. Oh, really? Yeah, that this dude was kidnapped and brainwashed, and they broadcast this number signal to him. And like even when they'd physically show him snapping and going into that mode, there just all these red numbers would pass by his head and shit like that. It was pretty cool to see a video game bring up number stations, but altering That's somebody's uh, consciousness and reality isn't that fucking hard of a thing to do. So, so yeah, I kind of got to think if somebody's in the hospital and they're dying and they're pumping who knows how many different drugs into your body. And then plus, like you said, what your brain can produce and all the endorphins and adrenaline that that could dump out. You can fucking see anything, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even... Our, we're supposed to have DMT in our brains. Mm -hmm. you know, it's part of our brains. And if that's... DMT is like one of the most powerful hallucinogens there is. Yeah. So if we're getting DMT dumped into our brains at the moment of death, then it really could be... So I, I don't know. It, it it could just be a, 
I don't, I, I don't know. Like a. Well, I, th- I think just, if you're gonna fuck, if you're fucking dying and your brain dumps a shitload of DMT into its, your system, I think mm-hmm. that pretty much every fucking human is gonna resort to what they know about death. And that's fucking dying and God and making peace or going to hell and all that shit. Yeah. And if you're, if you've got the idea already there, like, I know you've never done hallucinogens or whatever, but the thing is that when you're on hallucinogens, you're, you're very open to different ideas and, and it's very easy to, to run with those ideas if someone's implanting them in your head because you get on a certain thing and you dwell on it. And because your mind is in an altered state, you're perceiving it a lot differently. So if you've got ideas of what the afterlife is, and if you're doubting whether or not you're going to hell, or if you're confident you're going to heaven and you get DMT dumped in your brain at the moment of death or, or, you know, almost death as the case may be, then maybe this is what you're experiencing because people, when they're on DMT, when they're, you know, when they smoke DMT, they'll come back and they'll have reports of, of communicating with other entities and, and being like literally not on this earth and having their consciousness somewhere else and speaking with other things and getting messages and, and things like that. And again, it's with, again with running into entities. Yeah. And if you've already got this idea in your head that, that this sort of thing is going to, happen when you die and then your body goes through all the the things that it does when you're dying then you're going to be thinking about this and with the the dmt dump or whatever it is in your head you're if your consciousness is still around you will be affected by that dmt and then it's going to lead you on this whole other path and then at that point whether you're saying it's real or not is kind of uh up in the air yeah, yeah, because you're you've got the DMT, and I, and I I I know that the whole DMT dump when you die is kind of just a theory. I don't think it's really a thing that's proven. But yeah, even if it is, I don't think it would happen to everybody at every you know every single time that somebody's yeah. And I know you, your body's got a lot of adrenaline that goes through it, and then if you're in a hospital, you've got to think whatever the fuck you're being hooked up to on in the hospital as well yeah. like there's a lot of variables and and when when it gets to that point it's really hard to say if what they're seeing as the afterlife is really something real or if it's something that's kind of being imagined mm-hmm. i think yeah that's a easy line to cross mm-hmm. so if they realize or not they're all fucking doped up when they saw that shit. <laughs> yeah but I mean, if it is real, it, it raises a lot of questions. Like, if what they experienced was not a result of something that was affecting their mind, then what was it? And then how can you account for the people that are actually seeing things that are being done to them while they're dead? If their, their brain is showing no activity, but they're able to describe exactly what the doctor is doing and exactly what the people in the room are saying. And they're able to see their own body. And like, there's just a lot of that stuff where they come back and they can explain this. And to me, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to another place, but their, their astral body came loose from their mortal body. Like we'll, we'll say, and, and, uh, or their physical body. And they're able to experience all this stuff. 
and maybe it's just their what they perceive as heaven is just them going to another level, another astral plane. Mm-hmm. And then once their body gets revived, the cord pulls their astral body back into the body, back into the physical body, and they regain consciousness. Mm-hmm. Just an idea to think about. You know, there's a lot of stuff there, and, and I don't think that in this case, religion has all the answers. Just like anybody else, they've got an idea. And uh, it's just one theory. Yeah, there's too much other shit to be considered. Yeah. There's too many reports that, I don't know, just like we started with the kids. I can explain that. Yeah. It was a barn owl. We all know it, but <laughs> it's fun to ponder. <laughs> that goddamn barn owl. Psychic takeover mental electronic barn owls. They look like They're responsible for men. everything. <laughs> but if it, our consciousness doesn't reside in our mind, where do you think it comes from? I don't know. I don't even, I don't have a crazy idea other than to say that somewhere our bodies are, uh, or not our bodies, our consciousness is being housed somewhere else. And somehow it's just being beamed. Like maybe wherever we go when we die, like whether it be heaven or you just reintegrate yourself with the energy of the universe. That's where it is, right? That's where it's coming from right now. And we, we have it broadcast into us. And when we, when our bodies die, it just gets released and goes back wherever it's chilling, whether, you know, whether it be heaven or like I said, the, the energy of the universe. Or maybe it's just a computer program and when we die it gets turned off and that's that. Hmm. I'm going to say the anus. Find the Whatcast on Twitter at the Whatcast. Find Mike on Twitter at Last Bone Stems. And find Mateo at Dreckface. All show notes, photos, and links can be found at thewhatcast.tumblr.com. Email us at thewattcasters at gmail.com. You can now find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Google+. Thank you for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.